Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The presence of the Lord. You know, you can't, we've been now uh, several days in prayer and fasting and we're just leaning in as a church and um, I trust that the Spirit of God has given you strength day by day and that our prayers have been not only on target but they've been sincere that God would just touch us as a church and let us move in his direction and in his time but you can't get the attention of one world and not get the attention of the other and so we feel many times opposition when you're trying to do uh, something right. When you're leaning in the right direction, there's obviously a polar pull. And so we just pray that God will help us as a church to stay united and banded together in the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in John 18. We're going to read a very familiar passage tonight. And ask the Lord to just touch our touch our lives one more time as we consider his word I appreciate what I feel tonight I really mean that with all my heart I live to feel the presence of the Lord and uh, it doesn't matter to me how God manifests himself some people think if you haven't shouted and you haven't had church and uh I, I just like to feel the presence of the Lord. It doesn't matter to me how God manifests himself. I just want to be in his presence. And I want to know that when I leave, I'm going to have the option to leave changed. And we have that option before us tonight. John 18 and 3, the Bible says, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. I want to just ask a question tonight in my, in my Bible lesson, and that is this. What are we really looking for? What are we looking for? Amen. What are we looking for? You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. This is probably one of, I suppose, in our way of looking at it, probably one of the darkest parts of the gospel accounts. I say this because 
of the great evil that was happening at that particular time. It was very sinister, and again, in our way of thinking. Uh, of course, even in our text, we know that the scripture says that Jesus knew what would come upon him, and so he was not taken by surprise. But if we just play this out frame by frame in our own mind, we think about the sinister evil that is just playing out before us. A group of soldiers that was led by Judas is face to face with the Savior. And he asked them a very, very powerful and pointed question, and that is, whom seek ye? They were looking for Jesus, but according to their answer, they really didn't know him. They didn't know who he was. We know that the, the whole Bible is coming to an apex during the period, of course, of Jesus' life. The Bible says of him that he has come to seek and save that which was lost. And so the process of salvation now has begun and the redeeming power of God's blood is about to flow. And so there's a tremendous, this is a tremendous moment in the hour of the New Testament church. And so because of this, because it's so vital, it's very critical that we pay attention to every detail of this. And so the question, I'm sure, on the minds of many, at least when we read this passage, is why no one recognized him and why nobody knew that he was Jesus Christ. And so if we were to take that question from that passage and bring that into our world, I would pose this question tonight, or this thought at least, and that is why are we here? What did we come looking for tonight? Why, why did we come to church? I know that for many, it's, it's a habit, it's a way of life, and that it's a good habit to have, of course, to be able to, uh, to get up and get dressed and come to the house of the Lord, to go through whatever pains are necessary, whatever means are necessary to be in the house of God. But we need to ask ourselves, just because we're here, we also need to ask ourselves, what are we looking for? Why did we come? We didn't come to get our name, hopefully just checked off of the roll and that somehow the church roster all stays in balance because we walk through the door. You know, we go to great lengths to make sure that someone is in the foyer to greet people when they come in, in the services. We want people to feel welcome, and we want that to even happen for people that are members of our church. It's not just for our guests, but on Sunday morning, isn't it wonderful to walk in the front door of the church and to be greeted by, hopefully, some smiling faces and and uh, every time I'm in the lobby, it seems like there's a great atmosphere and people are glad to be there and they're glad to be there welcoming people as they come in. And uh, I'm sure that I would have been really, really misunderstood this evening if I would have been in the foyer and as you walked in one by one, just ask you a real, uh, real direct question, why are you here? I mean, you come in expecting somebody to shake your hand and say, Man, how you been doing? Haven't seen you since Sunday. How's everything been going? But if I was just standing there with a furrowed brow and just ask you one by one when you come in the door, what are you doing here tonight? I'm, I'm pretty sure if some may have, if you didn't do it literally, you would want to turn around and just walk out and go back and get in the car and say, well, I'll just show you. But it really is a question that ought to be posed. Why are we here? What are we doing here tonight? Did, did we come to, to make sure that our favorite song was sang? Or did we come to, because it was our night to sing? Or did Sister Rayleigh? 
Did you come because it was? <laughs> I'm glad it was somebody safe that sang tonight. I could use there. But uh, I mean, really, why did we come to the house? It is a question. I'm not just trying to be humorous, but it is a question worth asking ourselves. Did we come? Did we just drag our hide in here tonight because it's what we've been doing for years? Or did we really come looking for something? Amen. Did we really come in search of something? I, I'm being very sincere with you, and I, I'm not just saying this to, 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 to add fodder to the sermon, but I walked up and down the aisles of this building more than one time today, and I asked the Lord this evening, I have no idea what needs are going to present themselves. I have no clue. I know many needs are in the church, but I have no idea what may walk in this building tonight, what need may be in this building or present tonight. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to let us come here and leave differently. Let us be changed by the power of your word. But in order for us to do that, I believe that we must ask ourselves, what did we really come looking for? You know, it's amazing. I, I'm not sure everybody's cut out of the same fabric, of course, but many times we walk into a store and it just seems like to me on the days that you want somebody to wait on you, there's nobody to be found. And on the days that you just are killing time, you're just you, you just want to look around, that's the day where everybody's available. But every now and then you're just walking in and you have, you're just up to nothing. You're just window shopping as they say. But every now and then you're, you're, you're pretty intent. You know what you're looking for and I, I realize I'm not going to get into all this that men and women for the most part do shop differently. If a man's wanting brown socks, he goes in the store, walks to the brown sock department, that's where he gets one pair of brown socks and leaves. That's not quite how it plays out in every situation. But we, when you know what you are there for, when you have done some research, when, you have, when you've already done your homework and you show up, you know exactly what you're looking for. You can get through a lot of the junk when you know what you're after. Amen? You can, you can cut right to the chase when you already are determined in your mind what we're there for. And so when you're shopping for something, and certainly my wife and I, if we're gonna make any large purchase, we try very diligently to do our homework. And so when we get to that moment of purchase, we have pretty well made up our mind what we wanna do. And so it cuts out a lot of nonsense when you walk in and you know where you're going and you know what you're after. Am I talking to anybody tonight? That same thing happens spiritually. It shouldn't dawn on us that it's church time at 731. When we hear the first stroke of the piano or the first note that's being sang, we ought to ask ourselves, what am I going for tonight? If I'm going for a touch from God, if I am here tonight because I need something in particular, here's what will happen. It won't matter who sings. It won't matter what they sing. It won't matter if it's fast or slow. It won't. It won't matter who showed up, who stayed home. It won't matter how many times so-and-so went in and out of the building because that's not what I came for. I didn't count the trips. I didn't come to count the trips to the bathroom. I didn't come to count the trips to the water fountain. I didn't come to see who has their children in order and who has unruly children, but I came tonight because I need something from the throne of God. And so it really matters that we ask ourselves, what are we looking for? What are you looking for? 
Amen. So we want to be really, really diligent in that pursuit that we understand we, we could be somewhere different tonight. You could, you could be in a fancier building. You could probably be with more educated, sharper people, better looking people. You could be a thousand different places tonight, but you came here. And so that we ask ourselves, why did I come here? Why am I sitting here? Why am I standing here in this particular place? I want to know what I am after this evening. Amen, you left the security of your home tonight. You drove many miles, most of you, just to be here. And so we ought to ask ourselves, after all of that energy, after all of that effort, why am I here? If I'm here only to be seen and heard of men, then I showed up for the wrong reason. But if I come seeking for something from God I promise you this if you came seeking you've already got something maybe you're going to get more before the service is over but if you came with a searching heart and a seeking heart we've already received something amen we come tonight because we're in search of something we're longing for something just like a natural hunger or a natural thirst begins to well up within our flesh, in our spirit, that same thing begins to happen. I'm telling you, I miss church when we, when we have to rearrange our schedules as we have the last few weeks and I understand why we do that but I long to be in church our, our lives our lives kind of revolve around Sunday and Wednesday, is that fair enough to say? And so when you take that out of the equation I found myself several times the last couple of weeks saying what day is this? What day is this? My wife got confused today about what day is this. And then, and so that, that I'm thankful for the, the power of the kingdom of God that brings us together, that pulls us into his purpose. It would be fruitless if we come to the church, the building that is labeled church, and we weren't hungry, and we weren't searching for something. But if you came hungry, if you came searching this evening, amen, we are gonna find something from God because he promised us that if we would just come together in his name, that he would meet with us, he would be in our midst. It didn't have to be a fancy building. It didn't have to be anything fancy. It didn't have to be anything in particular. But he said, when you come together in my name, I'm gonna show up. And when the Lord shows up, we're gonna find what we're looking for. Praise God. <clears throat> it's, in, it's incredible to me to think that Judas was found among this bloodthirsty group of men. I, I know that there's a lot of, uh, of thoughts along these lines, but it is incredible to me that a man who spent three and a half years walking with him, eating with him, and, and if I may say, beholding his ministry firsthand. This was not secondhand accounts. But here is a man that was there when many things unfolded, and yet we find him in this company of men that is seeking to take the very life of the Lord. However, in the book of John, he was, but prior to this, on one side in the book of John, we find him on the other side. It's incredible how quickly things change when we get on the wrong side, isn't it? You can just see that picture as I begin to read this story. I just try to envision this and just try to figure out in my own mind how this begins to play out. It's doubly sad that, that we see in the mind of Judas an opportunity, more than one opportunity to turn around or to change his mind, and yet he does nothing about it. It begins with one very clear warning the night before. When Jesus said, 
as they were sitting down to what we refer to as the Last Supper, and he makes the announcement, one of you will betray me. Now, it's not like they're in a room of 500 people. They're sitting at the table, and he says, one of you will betray me. What an opportunity to examine your heart. What an opportunity to rethink your position on a matter. And yet, he steps over that. They begin to ask questions all around the table wondering just who it is. It would be different if Judas didn't already know what was in his heart. It would be completely different if this was not some forethought, if he hadn't already conspired with the high priest. It would be much different if he had heard that statement with none of those things already in his spirit. But when he heard that, knowing what was in his mind and in his heart, what an opportunity to be arrested at that moment and say, you know, I need to change my mind. Can you imagine the arrow that must have raced through his heart and mind as Jesus said again, and then this select group and said, one of you will betray me. For some reason or another, this Jesus at the other end of the table wasn't able to pierce through the heart of a man who had such evil in his mind. And so the question for all of us here this evening is this, what are we really looking for? What did we come to this church service for this evening? It's a very important question because if we don't answer that question, we may well wind up on the other side of the table just like Judas did. Because if we're here for the wrong reason, because if a man who walked with him and talked with him, and if, if somebody who was right there and, and understood and could see the look in his eye and, and the expression on his face day by day by day, if they can be portrayed, then who in the world would we be to think that we are above or beyond anything like that? And so I want to pray with God, checking my heart every day. I want to make sure that my motives are right and that I'm doing what I'm doing for the right reason. Now the next morning, Judas is with this band of soldiers and they arrive apparently in the dark in the garden of prayer and it's, it's kind of strange that all those around them, soldiers with lanterns and swords and armor, all of these men, this band of men the scripture talks about that's coming after Jesus, one man, a band of men coming after one. These were men who were coming because they had been told that Jesus was a troublemaker. You better watch out. And so they, they uh, conspired and with a band of men, they come with great force to overtake him and to overpower him. However, Jesus referred to himself not as a troublemaker and not as someone you better watch out for. Jesus didn't refer to him himself as someone that if you're coming after me, you better bring the best you got. Jesus referred to himself as the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. They came looking for a fight, but they were looking for the wrong thing, looking for the wrong thing. John 10 and 10, the scripture says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And then in verse 11, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. They came armed and ready. But he said, I will give my life. I will give my life. And if they had known Jesus, if they had known him, they would have known it would not take an army to attack him. It would not take an army to capture him. If they had 
known who he was, one man could have stepped out of the crowd and with one finger said, come with me because he said, I'm gonna lay down my life. That's all it would have taken was just an invitation. I know that because Jesus had already told his disciples that he was ready to go and that he was about to die. He's already rebuked Simon Peter for trying to get him to change his mind about all of this. This did not take Jesus by surprise. We have to understand that. If they had known Jesus, they would have known that it would not have taken brute force to get him that he would have gladly followed him. Yet these soldiers are doing what some of us do every day in our lives. We come sometimes to the house of God because we want the spirit of God to overtake us. We want the spirit of God to just kind of uh, show itself strong if we're not living right, so to speak. And what God is really wanting is just a relationship with us. Amen, just an absolute relationship. They were only seeing Jesus as one bearing a sword ready to destroy them if, if, if they weren't doing right. And that's how some people live. Amen. I, I know people that do not like peace, apparently. And I, I'm not trying to be snide, but I'm really, I really do know people that they don't want anything to do with peace. Their whole life is about confusion. Their whole life is about arguing. Their whole life is about fighting. They don't know anything about peace. And, and so that kind of person, they're, they're always looking for a fight. And you know what, when you, when you find a person that's coming to you with a fight and you don't offer them a fight back, many times they don't know how to respond to that. When you silence them and paralyze them with a soft answer, as the scripture says, that turns away wrath. And so many, many times people are looking for the Lord to just overtake them. Amen, they're looking for that kind of Jesus. But if you're looking for that tonight, you may not find that. And I'm not implying that he's not a judge and not, we're not going to stand in judgment. I'm not saying that at all. But the point is, is that Jesus is after a relationship. He's after people that know him, that know him. Amen. I've often said I would hope, <clears throat> hope that if you heard in the morning that I robbed a bank, that before you post that on Facebook or before you pick up the phone, that somebody would say, you know, that just doesn't sound right. That just doesn't sound right. Just something about that doesn't ring true. <laughs> I would think that, yet there have been some wonderful stories told on me that people just bought into hook, line, and sinker. And I would think, you know, if you just know someone, wouldn't it leave room that there would just be a little bit of room? Just to, I, I'm not on a mission here tonight. I didn't have even plans to say that, but I'm just saying that, that if they had known the Lord, if they had known him, and that's what the Lord is after, is a relationship. And so if, if the Lord doesn't show up when we think he ought to show up, if he's late according to our watch or our calendar, if we know him, if we know him, we won't lose faith in him because our trust is in him. Our confidence is in him. We're not looking at the clock. We're not looking at the calendar because we are in relationship with him. Praise God. Amen. I want to be in relationship with him. And when you know him, when you know him, then our faith and our confidence and our trust is already there. It's already there. 
And that's the power of relationship, the power of relationship. So when we come into the house of God and we're looking for the right thing, we're going to find that. I read an interesting statement concerning the passage that we're reading here tonight that said if they had really known him, they would not have referred to him in their question when they asked, who who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, if they had really known him. This was just one man's idea, but I thought it was thought-provoking. He was talking about Nazareth that had such a horrible reputation of immorality. If they had known him, they would have known that it wasn't Jesus of Nazareth they were looking for. If they had known him, if they had really known him, they may have been asking about Jesus, the carpenter's son. Or Jesus, the baby that was born in Bethlehem's manger. They, if they had really known him, they would have not uh, tried to associate him with immorality and things of that nature. And that's just food for thought. Amen. But they, they, when they opened their mouth and said, we're looking for this, it revealed that they really didn't know who they were looking for. They, they told on themselves, we really don't understand the value of who we're looking for. Amen. It was even asked, is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth? Yes. Yes, there is something good that can come out of Nazareth and his name is Jesus. But it was evident that they didn't know who they were looking for. And sometimes if we're not careful, we come into this very house and we're not really sure who we're looking for. The world promotes a Jesus that will accept anything, allow anything, and bless anything. But that's not really who he is. He's a holy God. A God that loves purity a God that respects faith and a God that blesses faithfulness. He's a God of gods and a king of kings and the most powerful force in the universe. And so if we're here seeking a God that will love us the way we are and work with us from where we are, then we're looking in the right place. But if we're searching for a God that'll just let us continue living in sin and preserve the rebellion that's in our heart, that's not the God we're gonna find in this place. Amen. We're searching for a God that can change us. And I'm, I'm so thankful for grace. Somebody mentioned grace to me today, just how broad that subject is and how vast the subject of grace really is. And I'm thankful for that. But we're not talking about a God that'll condone sin or a God that'll turn his eye toward those things. And so I say, Lord, help me to come into this house knowing that you're a God that wants to bring restoration to my heart and restoration to my life and strength to my walk with you. I need to come in with that idea in in my heart. Another reason this band of soldiers had to ask who Jesus was is because they were commissioned to go find him. They had a warrant, in other words, for his arrest and their eyes was closed to who he really was. How else could you explain that none of these men even recognized him? Maybe their eyes were blinded to the reality of who was standing right in front of them. And that's a very, very important spiritual lesson, I think, for all of us. Amen. You're not going to find Jesus out of legal obligation. You're not going to find him because you're obligated to find him. Amen. I'm sure somewhere in all of our stuff, we have a certificate of marriage. I remember seeing it one time at least. But I haven't seen that certificate in years. I'm, I'm doubtful that we could put our hands on it speedily. And so if I was married just because there's a contract, I'm in trouble because I can't even find the contract. Amen. 
But that's not what's holding me together. I'm not on some legal pursuit trying to find God so he can just fix a couple of matters in my life like I want to meet with an attorney. But I want a relationship with God. Amen. They were there with a legal obligation to find him standing face to face, nose to nose, and didn't recognize him. Amen. I want to, I want to know him. I want to know him because I want to be in relationship with him. If our musicians will come. We're only going to discover God's majesty when we realize the value the real value of relationship. If they would have been looking for him out of their hearts, there would have been no searching whatsoever. Jesus said in John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. What a powerful statement. No doubt some of those soldiers <clears throat> standing right there <clears throat> have been exposed to Jesus at some point in their life and here they're standing and not even realizing who he is. One of the most powerful miracles that I've ever witnessed is what happens to the heart of hungry people. When people come in searching and longing, when they are actually on a quest to find Jesus, they're going to find him. Their hearts are hungry to find truth, and truth is revealed to them step by step, one layer at a time. I wouldn't want to embarrass her at all as I begin to write this down this afternoon my mind just immediately went to Sister Amy Osborne I thought about Sister Amy when she first started attending church and she was just so hungry to find God and yet Amy's personality <laughs> you come in just in time Amy's personality is not boisterous forthright loud and in your face quite the opposite of that quiet timid shy but she came in seeking she came in hungry service at a time a week at a time just searching just hungry just hungry just hungry and there may have been services I don't know we haven't discussed this but there may have been services where she went home and thought, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this. But I remember a certain camp meeting. And I actually remember my son telling his mother and I, he said, Mom and Dad, I just believe like, I just believe this is the camp meeting that Amy's going to get the Holy Ghost. This was before we ever went to Ocala. And he had such great faith about that. And his faith affected my faith. And so I don't want you to feel like you were on display, but we were just night after night just believing. Yet Friday night service came and went. We all went home and we folded up camp meeting and put it in the pages of history. But it was the next night, am I right? The next night on following camp meeting that night at home as they began to think about the messages that had been preached and she just began to pray and talk to the Lord and they had already gone to bed she just began to think about the messages that had been preached and as she lay there in the privacy of their home the spirit of the Lord came to a seeking and a searching 
heart. Amen. To a seeking and a searching heart because you're going to find what you're looking for. Even if you don't find it the first night or the second night or the first or second week or first or second month. And I'm, I, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody tonight, but I'm trying to encourage somebody that if you don't get what you're looking for the first time, don't stop. Don't stop. If God seemingly doesn't answer your prayer the first time you pray, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. I'm so encouraged by the book of Daniel where, where they had prayed and the, the angel says, I would have been here, I would have been here. I was coming, I was trying to get here, but I faced opposition. And what they didn't realize was that, that, that God had already commissioned an angel. There was already, the answer was on its way. And so you never know. I'm not trying to hold some carrot over us tonight. I'm just trying to preach Bible truth that what you're looking for, men came looking for Jesus, but their motive was wrong. Their spirit was wrong. Their attitude was wrong. Their heart was wrong. And they were standing within arm's reach and they didn't know him. They didn't know him. Judas had walked with him. But he was so lost in all of this. Judas is standing there. What are you doing, Judas? What are you doing? What are you doing? Amen, let's stand together. Amen, what a glorious opportunity to find him. Amen, why don't we just gather around? Let's close our service with family prayer. Can we do that? Whatever you're searching for tonight, I promise you he's God enough. He is big enough. He's God enough to answer our prayer. He's God enough and large enough to be what we need him to be. He can be our comforter. He can be our companion. He can be what we need him to be. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.